This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. The passage appointed for the epistle is Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you would think about them, human beings that you would care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God, and crowned them with glory and honour. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flock and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Here endeth the epistle. The gospel is written in the gospel according to St. John, chapter 11, beginning at the 32nd verse. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his seat and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come alongside with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Were you, late, were you here with him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man and have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have been you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and show it forth in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. 
because he graciously conceals himself. We're not ready to see him as he is in all his radiant glory. His glorious presence would be an oppressive, blinding and overwhelming light. And so God graciously conceals himself even as his glory and his presence is there. And yet we can still see his glory in the created world. Psalm 8, the passage we had read earlier, captures that for us. In the first verse, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. What delights you in creation? A warm sunny day by the harbour? The sun sparkling on the water? Or maybe down by, down by the beach, the sand between your toes? Maybe a fierce storm with the branches bending and picking up an intense swell? Or walk in the mountains on a clear day? You walk around the corner and you see stunning view. These impressions of intense beauty are just the faintest glimpses of the beauty and majesty and creativity of God. Or consider the vastness and power of the universe. Just consider our own sun. Imagine this, you get into a small spacecraft and head towards the sun. You're impervious to heat and light, by the way. It begin, it, you head towards the sun, and it begins as just you know that, that blinding disk in front of you. But as you draw closer, the days pass because it's so ridiculously far away. As you draw closer, it gets bigger and bigger in your field of vision. And you can feel the intense heat against you closer you travel until it just takes up every single part of all you can see. You look up, you look down, left and right, and it is just that same disc of blinding light, but it's all you can feel and experience in its 15 million degree corona. It's absolutely mind-boggling, the glory and power of our sun. There are 100 billion more of those just in our galaxy and maybe 100 billion more galaxies. And even this is just a glimpse of the vastness and glory and power of God. This is the glory of God, his greatness and fame that we were made to enjoy. But the psalmist goes on. So he sees the glory of God in the creation, but he also sees the glory of God in humanity. In verse 3, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. We can see the glory of God even in humanity. There is so much, when we look, there is so much glory and greatness. I think especially of ingenuity and creativity, the soft water lilies of Monet, the gentle complexity of Bach, the ingenuity of the engineers who landed men on the moon using computers with less power than your USB charger. And I think of so much goodness and love 
or the people in emergency in health services, countless parents who give themselves for their kids or kids for their parents. Think of Abdullah and Saka, the Lebanese couple from Oatlands who forgave the drunk driver who killed their four kids. Or so many among us who give time and money and care to people around us who are in need. I could go on, but all of this, where we see these glimpses of goodness and love, these things are just a pale reflection of God's glory. And so where we see the pinnacle of humanity, that is just the beginning of God's glory. His glory has only just begun. His creativity is infinitely more inspired and ingenious than ours. And his goodness and love is overwhelmingly lavish and generous. And yet that's not quite the whole story, is it? Because humanity, yes, there's glory there, but we're also so inglorious. And we don't need to rehearse the murderous tyrannies of power, the appalling genocide, willful ignorance, dark thoughts within, and the trivial rivalries and grudges to see that we are, as Blaise Pascal put it, glorious ruins. Glorious ruins, that is what we are. And I think this is part of, well, part of the reason why we're so attracted to greatness and mastery and celebrity, because it gives us a glimpse, not only of the glory of God, but also a glimpse of the glory that we were created for a glimpse of the glory of what we were supposed to be. Because we were made to be glorious. And I don't mean famous in some crude Instagram way, but to be truly acknowledged and received as valuable and treasured. C.S. Lewis said this, we don't want to merely see beauty, but to be united with the beauty that we see, to pass into it to receive it into ourselves, to become part of it. Because that's what we were made for. And yet here we are, glorious ruins. But it's exactly here in these ruins that we discover the depths of God's glory because the glory of God in the gospel is that he entered into our humiliation and that's where we, the third place where we see God's glory. I mean, the Old Testament, although his people were no more impressive than anyone else, his glorious God came to them. At the Exodus, God saved his humiliated people from slavery and he appeared to them at Mount Sinai in that glorious image of smoke and fire. It was the stunning manifestation of God's glory, terrifying, yet concealed to protect them. And then even when his people kept dishonoring him, his glory brought blessing, but also humiliating judgment. And so that's why the most, the clearest, most concentrated picture of God's glory is in Jesus Christ. John 1.14 says this, And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And so it's here in this tiny baby, born among the animals and laid in a slop's bucket, that we see the humble glory of God. In this shameful, 
humiliating death on the cross, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lifted up, not just on a cross, but lifted up in glory. Why? Because it's here that he shows his glorious righteousness and holiness as he deals with our sin and his glorious love, self-giving love and humility, even for us, his enemies. And so Jesus then was raised and his glory shouted to the world and he ascended into heaven and he's raised, seated, ultimate glory as the Lord over all. He pours out his spirit among us so we recognize his glory and we begin to reflect the glory that we were made for. And so if you want to see the glory of God, this is it. I often uh, get asked again, especially by young people, uh, what's with the glory of God? You know, isn't if he's so concerned with his glory, isn't that just selfish of him? Well, here's the glory of God in this self-giving love as he pours himself out in humiliation to death so he could share his glory with us. But is that it? Is that all his glory is about? Well, no, because all of this is a taste of the glory of God that we can look for in eternity. The prophet Habakkuk looks forward to a time when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The intense light and searing holiness and goodness and power revealed to the whole world for everyone to see. His faithfulness and justice and love and wisdom shouted to the ends of the earth. This glorious and humble God Glorious for all to see, and yet will share the fullness of his glory with us. Now, one way of speaking about this, uh, to, to, to share in, to reflect God's glory, is that he'll give us the recognition that we crave. This isn't about vanity or self-congratulation. It's about removing all your shame and humiliation. It's about removing all your shame and humiliation. It's about this God, your loving Father, the face that is both the terror and delight of the universe, turning towards you in loving approval, recognizing you beyond what you deserve, affirming you far beyond your merit, giving you glory. Another way of thinking about it is that he'll clothe us in the same kind of glorious splendor that we can see in him. Now, this isn't about becoming a living incandescent light bulb. It's your glorious body. Sorry, it's your glorious ruin of a body being raised in glory like that. <laughs> it's your afflictions being turned into an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. It's being the person who you were created to be. No longer a ruin, but the glorious image of God. But in the end, this glory of God that we see in eternity, it's not about you or me, because all of this is to bring him 
the ultimate glory. So everyone will see his goodness and humility and beauty and wisdom. But by God's grace, it includes you. And so we come to the end of our series of eight sermons looking at the looking at the God of grace, who this God is in all his glory. And there's something appropriate about finishing by considering the glory of God because we hope that this vision of God has uh, draws you, draws us out of ourselves. It's so easy to focus on our issues, our shortcomings and problems. But this God and this glory helps us to get over ourselves and see what, in the end, really, ultimately matters. It's his power, his faithfulness, his justice, his wisdom, his presence, his love, his holiness, and his glory. So little of what matters is about you and me. We exist for his glory. Nothing matters as much as every moment that we bring glory and fame and honour to him. Imagine the kind of place we would be if we lived every part of our lives to bring him glory and exercise whatever glory he gives us to reflect back, to amplify onto him. If we honoured and worshipped this God above all else, and shared his humble glory with the world. So let us lay down our lives and serve this glory of God and open our lips and praise this God in our city. Let me pray. Our gracious and glorious God, we thank you that you are far beyond all things, that your glory reaches above the heavens, and yet you have shared your glory with us. Father, help us to see your glory each day and amplify it into the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.